Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. This is also found, as I pointed out to you in our first study, in Mark chapter 13 and in Luke chapter 21. Verse 1, Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, Do you see all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be one stone here left upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? May the Lord add his blessings on the reading of his word. Let God's people say, Praise the Lord. And let's appeal to the Lord now with our little song to help us, help me as teaching, help you in understanding. Father, I stretch my hand to Thee, no other help I know. If I withdraw myself from You may be seated. I want to thank again the musicians for playing for us, Brother Josh for leading us in hymn singing that we might praise the Lord before we look into his word. Especially thankful today for Sue for being here because this week she's not been feeling well. But the Lord uh, raised her up enough for her to be here today and we appreciate that, Sue. Thank you. I have interrupted now for the third week our studies in our long series on the story of Joseph because of all that seems to be happening in the world and especially over in Israel at this time. I hope you have your Bibles open because we're going to look at a lot of scriptures this morning and if you don't have a Bible you should be able to find a pew Bible somewhere there in front of you or to the left or the right of you. Matthew chapter 24, the 23rd chapter of Matthew ends with scalding remarks of Jesus to the Jews. If you notice in verse 33 of chapter 23 of Matthew, he called them serpents, a generation of vipers who would not escape the damnation of hell. And then using very authoritative language, speaking as the God of Israel in the flesh. Really, it, it encompasses verse 34 and 35. This is what he says. I send unto you prophets. He doesn't say the Father. He says, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes. 
And some of them you shall kill and crucify, and some of them you shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel, who of course was killed by his brother Cain, unto the blood of Zechariah, son of Barakiah. You can read about that in Zechariah chapter 1, verse 1, whom ye murdered between the temple and the altar. By the way, on Tuesday evenings, we've begun a study of the significance of Islam in these days. So if you want to be here for study number two or three, Tuesday evenings at 6.45, we'd be glad to have you. Our Lord's final words in chapter 23, verses 38 and 39, were very fearful. He said, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, again, he's speaking as the infallible Son of God, I say to you, you shall not see me again until you say, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And here's what we glean from those fearful words. Number one, that it was he who sent the prophets and the wise men and the scribes to an ungrateful and unthankful people. He said, behold, I send. Number two, that he knew when he sent them that Jerusalem would not receive them. He knew when he sent them what Jerusalem would do to them. He said, you'll kill some of them, you'll crucify some of them, you'll scourge or beat some of them, and you'll persecute them from city to city. Number three, he says, he will hold them responsible. He will hold them responsible for all the blood of the righteous men sent to them, that upon you might come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, whose, whose blood they have shed. Number four, the first martyr was Abel, whom Cain, his own brother, murdered. And the last martyr mentioned here is Zechariah, who can be found, as I mentioned to you in Zechariah chapter 1. And this teaches us that the Lord sees and the Lord knows every single individual intimately. Here are individuals that the nation of Israel had forgotten all about, but the Lord has not forgotten about them. This assures us that the only time you will see justice in this world is when the Lord gives justice. There won't be any justice, but that's one reason why we know there has to be a God because there's so much injustice done in this world down through history, and He will bring justice when He returns. There will be payday someday. Number five, he says in verse 39 of chapter 23, I say unto you, so I'll point out again his authority. His authority is the authority of heaven. Then he says, I say unto you, your house, not only your nation, but God's house, this temple which you have made to be your house, You have made God's house your house. 
I want to serve notice today that the Lord does not dwell where he doesn't receive supreme honor and worship. He doesn't take second place. He doesn't go in and share. There's a passage in the prophets of the Old Testament where the Lord says, I will not share my glory with another. It doesn't matter if it's Israel's house or if it's America's house. He said, your house, your house, you've made God's house your house. Remember when he took a cord of ropes and drove them out and said it is written my house shall be made a house of prayer but you've made it a house of merchandise you started using it to buy and sell things you you sell little doves when somebody comes to offer a sacrifice or you sell sheep or you sell uh, other animals and he drove them out of the temple You have made God's house your house. Then he says, your house, watch this now. This is still in verse 39 of Matthew 23. Your house is left unto you. You wanted it, and you got it. Now it's your house, and you and your house will be shortly destroyed. Your house is left unto you, desolate. When I leave this house, Jesus says, God leaves this house. And when God leaves this house, it will be desolate. The Greek term here is eremos, which means a wilderness. It is used of a shepherd who deserts his flock or of a husband who prevents his wife from having children by withholding himself from her. You see, my friends, when the Lord withdraws, all we have left is religion. And that's what we have in the United States. We've got religion on every corner. We've got new churches starting up by the thousands, and then we've got thousands of people leaving churches that used to teach and preach the gospel. Number nine, he says, then. Now, verse, chap, this brings us to chapter 24, verse 1. It says, then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. So he made good his words. The first verse of this chapter 24 tells us that he went out of and departed from the temple. And this is what causes his disciples to have something to say to him. You see, the disciples were from the area of Galilee. And Galilee was about a 30-hour trip on foot from Jerusalem at least as far as from here to Murfreesboro, on foot. And these disciples had not seen the temple often, if at all. And so they're quite impressed with it, just like people today go over to Israel. They see that wall there called the Wailing Wall. And they are all impressed with that and what's called the Holy Land. And perhaps thinking that they would reverse his curse upon this magnificent house, your house is left unto you desolate, perhaps they could impress him 
to re reverse the curse or reduce the curse. So they came to him and they called attention to its great beauty and its massive stones used in the construction. Some of those stones weighed over 60 tons. And that was done before modern machinery. <laughs> the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark says this, tells us that the disciples said, quote, Look, teacher, what large stones and what beautiful buildings. And Luke, in his Gospel, has them saying this. Some people were talking about the temple, how it was decorated with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God. Decorated with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God. But not only did our Lord Jesus Christ not reverse himself, he told them that shortly the temple would be completely and totally destroyed. There will not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And this declaration led to their private question that we read in the third verse of Matthew chapter 24. Tell us. This is the way the King James Version of Matthew 24, verse 3, translates it. Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Now, although it is true, as I have mentioned in previous studies on this subject, that the Greek term used here is aeon, or eon, and not cosmos. Cosmos is literally the physical earth, and eon is a, a, a time, a period of time. It's true that the term used here is eon, which could be translated age rather than the physical earth. I believe that the second coming of Christ is inextricably linked to the end of the world. And the disciples, certainly, when they asked this question, they were not thinking of the end of Israel. They were thinking of the end of the world as they knew it. And even after the Lord's resurrection, the last question they asked of our Lord Jesus Christ as he was returning to heaven, you can read this in Acts chapter 1, was, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? So they're not, they're not thinking about the end of Israel. They're not thinking about an end of an age of Israel. They're thinking about the end of the world. To the apostles, I believe, the temple was so grand, it was so magnificent, that perhaps they thought it would not, indeed could not, be destroyed until the world itself was destroyed. And of course, if that was their thinking, they were wrong. <laughs> And I believe that the Lord's words here have somewhat of a double fulfillment. The first reason I believe this is because the temple was indeed destroyed by the Romans in 70 A.D. So about 40 years or so after the Lord made this statement, that came true. The temple was destroyed by the Romans. Titus, the Roman general in 70 A.D., invaded Israel and destroyed the temple. So this is a partial fulfillment in 70 A.D. A generation is about 40 years, and the Lord often said certain things would transpire within one generation. 
But the second reason I believe our Lord's words have a double fulfillment is because of two important facts. Number one, the Lord Jesus associates all that will transpire here with his second coming. And that's verses 4 through 51. He associates all that is said here with his second coming. And secondly, and more importantly, is this. Most of what he mentions here did not happen before the destruction of the temple. Indeed, he did come in judgment in 70 A.D., just as he said he would, but I do not believe that should be confused with his second coming, which will be visible to all the earth. John the Apostle makes this clear, I believe, in Revelation chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. He says, Behold, he comes with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also whence pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen, or amen, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, whence is, whence was, whence is to come, the Almighty. That's Revelation 1, verses 7 and 8. All New Testament writers, which mention the second coming of Christ, affirm the testimony of John. That is, the return of the Messiah, the return of the Christ, the return of Jesus, will be a literal, visible return, and it will signal the end of the world as we know it. Matthew Henry, the old British nonconformist minister and author, who's best known for his six volumes of Bible commentary, he lived in 1662 to 1714. This is what he said about this passage in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. He said, this book, the Revelation, begins and ends with a prediction of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should set ourselves to meditate frequently upon the second coming of Christ and keep it in the eye of our faith and expectation. John speaks as if he saw that day. Behold, he cometh. He cometh with clouds, which are his chariot and pavilion. His clouds are his chariot and pavilion. He will come publicly. Every eye shall see him, the eye of his people, the eye of his enemies, every eye, yours and mine. He shall come to the terror of those who have pierced him and have not repented, and of all who have wounded and crucified him afresh by their apostasy from him, and to the astonishment of the pagan world. For he comes to take vengeance on those who know not God, as well as those that obey the gospel. So I'm settled in my mind that the second coming of Christ will be a literal, visible coming. The first thing we notice here in Matthew 24, beginning in verse 4, the first thing we notice is that nothing mentioned in the first 13 verses the first 13 chapters, I should say, is uh, unique. But I would also say here in Matthew chapter 24, in these first 13 verses, I don't think anything here is unique. You know what I mean by that? 
All right, let me explain that. I'm glad you asked. Jesus says in verse 4, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. My friends, since the Proto-Evangelium, you know what that is? That's Genesis 3.15, promise of the Messiah. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God made a promise to the devil in the presence of Adam and Eve that he would send the seed of the woman, that is, he would send a man who would come into this world and put the devil out of business. That's the first promise of the Messiah, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And since Genesis 3, 15, and down to the present time, there have been multitudes of false messiahs. Lots of false messiahs mentioned. Then he says wars and rumors of wars. Verse 6, estimates for the total number of souls killed in wars throughout all of human history range from 150 million to 1 billion people in all the wars in the history of the world. 20 million at least were killed in World War I, 21 million wounded, 70 to 85 million killed in World War II, or 3% of the population of the world at that time. Then notice he says in verse 7, Nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. My friends, there have been nations rising against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms since the world began. Since the fall of man. Now it takes on a little different perspective when we realize that the word nation, translated nation, is from the word ethnos. You know what it means? It means an ethnic group. It means uh, what we call a race. We really, there's just one race. You know, we all came from Adam and Eve. (laughs) But we make these distinctions of blacks and whites, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. We have Asian people. We have European people. We have African people. But all of these people have been warring against each other since the beginning. But today we see a new rise uh, in wars of ethnicity, where blacks are hating whites, and whites are hating blacks, and Spanish are hating the whites and the blacks, and the whites and the blacks are hating the Spanish. And now you have over here, you have the, uh, the Arabian, uh, the Arab world, the Islamic world rising up against the Jews in a new and special way. So, Nation is the word basileia, which means government. You're going to have governments at war. You've had governments at war. I'll explain all this to you in just a moment. You've had ethnic wars since the beginning. You have had people who go to war over language. I know a man who uh, was a pretty high-up guy in business, and he spoke French fluently. And he told me, he said, when I order, when I call up to uh, Ontario, or to Quebec, I'm sorry, not Ontario, to Quebec, he said, when I call up there, and, and I've asked for the manager of a department store, he said, I've had a fellow on the other end of the line say, I will not get anybody for you unless you ask me in French. <laughs> and he said, they don't know that I speak 
French fluently, and then I'll tell them in French, if you don't get the boss, you're not going to have a job when I get through. <laughs> but people war over language, not only against about color. They war over language. They war over the whole thing is James tells us the basis of all war. He said, you lust and you kill and you have not. You know why? Because you want to be God. You want to be a little God over everybody else. He said, lust is the, the lust for power is the basis for it. Then he says here that the uh, nations, he says, Rising up against nations, verse 7, he said there'll be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in divers, many different places. 1918, 1919, the influenza pandemic wiped out 20 to 40 million people. In 1348 to 1350, the Black Death Plague killed 60% of all the people in Europe. Six out of ten. The AIDS pandemic through the year 2000 has taken 21.8 million lives. Hitler took out millions. Stalin took out millions. But Mao Zedong outdid them. He took out they don't know how many he took out. That's, some of them say up to 80 million people, but the minimum of 45 million. There are over 1 billion people starving today in 2023. Over 16 million people in the United States don't have proper meals. Now we're dealing with monkeypox. We're dealing with covid Australia is being swarmed with locusts. Asia is dealing with hordes of rats. He talks about earthquakes here in verse 7. In my research, I found out that there were nine recorded earthquakes in the 50s, 13 in the 60s, 51 in the 70s, 86 in the 80s, and over 150 from 1990 to 1996. That is, those were earthquakes they were aware of. They said they're having a lot more than that, but they're not that powerful. They're not registered on the Richter scale. The news networks tell us right now that, is it Iceland that's on the edge right now waiting for a major earthquake? It's one of those countries up in there. Then he says in verse 9, persecution. They're going to deliver you up to be afflicted. They're going to kill you. You're going to be hated of all nations for my name's sake. That's happening right now. I just talked this week to Brother Bob Castle, who has a little blog over in Africa. And he called me and he said, Bill, there were some people who raided the village and two and 15 people were killed. This is last week. 15 people were killed, and two of them were folks that heard me teach over the internet last week. Some of you might remember Dee, who, who was baptized here, who was uh, from uh, Mozambique in Africa. Over there, they're being invaded now with Islam, killing people. This has been going on 
for a long time. This verse 9 has to do not only with persecution, it has to do with treachery. They will deliver you up to be afflicted and tormented. They'll kill you. You'll be hated for one thing, following Jesus as Messiah. Verse 10, he talks about apostates, people leaving the church, other multitudes falling away, false teachers. Verse 11, we've got the health and wealth gospel in the midst of a nation that's does 12 trillion dollars in debt you know you know how much 12 trillion dollars is it's more money that is in all the world if you took all the wealth of all the nations put it together the united states owes more than that unemployment is approaching 10 percent for those who make twenty thousand dollars or less Personal bankruptcies are up over 15%. 146,000 people filed for bankruptcy in April of this year in the United States. I'm trying to tell you all these things have been happening for a while and they're, they're happening more now. Lawlessness and falling away, verse 12. Because iniquity shall abound. The word iniquity is lawlessness. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many, people who said they loved the Lord, people who said they loved one another, that's going away. We're seeing the rise of homosexuality, gender confusion, men identifying as women, women identifying as men, over 63 million abortions since 1973. According to Meet the Press, the government is now running the banks, the insurance companies, taking over health care. Government appointees at the FCC are trying to take over the Internet. I heard an announcement last week that last week was the last week that you'll have free radio. The government taking that over. We're living in a self-seeking generation that is characterized not only by increasing cruelty, but by increasing lack of loyalty to anything. And it's true that if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Now, how do we make sense of all of this, of what Jesus says? Well, all of these things are compared by Christ, all of these things that have been since the beginning of the world, and uh, in, uh, coming up to our time here, 2023, over 2,000 years since our Lord Jesus Christ has been here in this world, all of these things are compared. This helps me. Hope it helps you. They're compared by the Lord to the birth pains of a woman who's going to give birth to a child. Notice verse 8 of chapter 24. All these are the beginning of sorrows. The ESV translation has it. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. The NIV has it. These are the beginning of birth pains. The NASB has it. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. The CSB translation has it. All these events are the beginning of labor pains. The NLT translation has it. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. 
events in the earth leading up to the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ are going to be more and more and more worse, more and more and more frequent, more and more and more intense. And the closer we get to his coming on a worldwide scale, not just in the United States, on a worldwide scale, they will be more and more worse. They will be worse. They will affect the whole earth and most of the people on the earth. And that's how you understand that. All of these things have always happened. There's always been hatred. There's always been wars. There have always been earthquakes. But we're going to have more of that, and we're going to have more intense, and it's going to be greater. Now, you might want to turn to this. If you don't, I'll tell you where it is. It's in Revelation chapter 12. I've read from it many times over the years. Revelation chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, the last book in your Bible, is the book of Revelation. Chapter 12, there appeared a great wonder in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Verse 3, Revelation chapter 12. A great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his head. Now that dragon is identified later in the chapter as the devil. He says that great dragon, the devil, he's identified. No question about who this person is. Having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head, verse 4, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. One-third of the angelic host rebelled against God with Lucifer, who became the devil, whom we know as the devil and Satan. And he did cast him to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, to devour her child as soon as it was born. This is a spiritual picture of the coming of the Messiah. And she brought forth a man-child, verse 5, who was to rule all nations. That's the Messiah. With a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and to his throne. A woman with child, when the time of deliverance draws near, begins to experience contractions, which grow much stronger and more intense and closer together. In like manner, the earth has experienced all these things mentioned by our Lord, but in the last days of earth's history, they will be coupled with major deception, ungodliness, and persecution worldwide. And like a woman in labor, they will grow worse and more intense. Here's what Paul wrote to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. Of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them as travail upon a woman with child. See, there it is again. And they shall not escape, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, that they should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light. You are the children of day. 
You are not of the night. We are not of the night. We are not of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. Let us watch and be sober. Means let's not be drunk with the things of this world. Let's be alert. Let's be awake. Let's know what's going on. Let's be always looking for the Lord. Because he may come for us individually in death. And that's all 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 1 through 6. And then John in the book of Revelation chapter 19 views the gathering together of all the ungodly nations in the last days just prior to the second coming of the Messiah. And he views that as the great supper of the great God. Now let me read this to you. Revelation chapter 19. I'm going to read it. You can listen if you can't get to it in time. Beginning in verse 17. John says, I saw an angel standing in the sun. He cried with a loud voice. He said to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and them that sat on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Who is this great God? Well, in verse 11, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, his head were, on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew, but he himself knew it. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Who, who could that be? Well, John's gospel begins, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And then in verse 14, John 1 verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, that's the one we call Jesus. You've been very patient with me this morning giving you a lot of information, but you can go back and get this CD and listen to it. I want you to listen to me for just a few more minutes. And I'm going to give you what I consider to be a summation of all that will increasingly befall the earth as the coming of the Messiah draws near. Those of you who have worshipped here for a while know I am not an alarmist. I don't know if we're at 1130 or two minutes to midnight. But I believe that the Scripture teaches that we should live our lives always expecting the coming of the Lord because, as I keep saying, He may come for us individually in death. And we should live every day as though it is our last, looking always to Him who loved us and gave Himself for us. Now listen to this. I believe these things will characterize the last days in an increasing way. I'll tell you the passages, you can look them up later. Some of them we've already covered. An increase of wars and rumors of wars. Joel chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, and Matthew 24, 6 and 7. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See not See that you be not troubled. All these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. 
Number two, extreme materialism. Extreme materialism. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 and 2. Revelation 3, verses 14 through 19. Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, Know that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, that means uncontrollable, Fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitor, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And the whole time they're religious people having a form of godliness. But in their lives they deny the power thereof from such turn away. Revelation 3 verse 14 through 19 has to do with the church of the Laodicea, what some people believe is an age a Laodicean age, certainly everything that's said about the Laodicean church characterizes us today. He said, you're neither hot nor cold, and stand for something. <laughs> and he said, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth because you're not holding. And he says, you say of yourself, I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, I have need of nothing. That's where we are in the United States. And you do not know that you are wretched and you are miserable and you are poor and you are blind and you are naked. And I'm going to give you some counsel. Buy me some gold tried in the fire that you might be rich. Buy me some white raiment. That's your righteousness that you might be clothed and, and cover your nakedness before the all-seeing eye of God. Number three, there will be a generation of increasing lawlessness. Psalm 78, 8, Proverbs 30, verses 11 through 14, and 2 Timothy 3, verses 2 and 3. There will be, number four, a population explosion coupled with a coming together of the nations of the world. Now tell me this, what characterized the world just before God sent the flood on Noah? Remember when Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man? Remember that? Well, we usually just think of the bad things. But let me tell you something that characterized those days. They all came together. They all were as one. They all spoke one language. And today with technology, all we've got to do is put on a set of headphones and we can understand somebody else in some other language and they can translate it. They do that at the United Nations. And the more the world becomes one, the more wicked the world will become. The divisions of the nations were for our good. As I told you Tuesday night, we all rejoiced when communism fell. Not knowing that when the communism fell, it freed and opened the floodgates of Islam. All of those nations that were in Russia and the Soviet Union were all under Islam. Heavily occupied Islam. Now Islam is arising as a result of the fall of communism. So God used something that was bad in itself, communism, to keep back something that was worse. There will be a population explosion coupled with the coming together of the nations of the world. You can read about that in Genesis chapter 6. 
Number five, there will be an increase in travel and knowledge. Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, when the Lord was showing Daniel about the last days, Daniel said, what does it mean? And the Lord said, shut up the book, Daniel. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. You realize that every law of physics and all of these other laws of science that have helped us go from the horse and buggy to the moon to carrying around something this big called a phone and talking to somebody that's on the other side of the world, do you realize that all that has happened in the last 50, 60, 75 years? Knowledge has been increased, and many are running to and fro. People are going everywhere, flying everywhere. Have breakfast in L.A. and lunch in uh, Las Vegas and uh, the evening meal here in Nashville. Number six, there will be a falling away from the faith. I can't read all these passages. Second Thessalonians 2, 3, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 3 and 4. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. 2 Peter 3, verses 3 and 4. Number seven, there will be intense demonic activity. I wish I had the time to tell you this morning about the demonic activity that caused the flood of Noah's day. It caused that flood. Here's what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now the Spirit speaks very expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith. They will be giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. They will be speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Their conscience, they don't have a conscience. I gave you a book 25 years ago, 30 years ago. I still have some copies of it if you'd like to read it, called Children Without a Conscience. Not written by a religious guy, written by a psychologist and a psychiatrist who predicted the generation that we're now seeing now, where people don't have a conscience. They don't care about anybody or anything, increasingly so. They're having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meats which God created to be received with thanksgiving to them which believe and know the truth. Number eight, the unification of religious, political, and economic systems. You'll see the unification of religious, political, and economic systems. How many of you live here in Franklin? Just put your hand up. You live, you live in Franklin. Okay. This is the Williamson Herald. Okay? This is a picture on the Williamson Herald right here of the mayor with an imam from the Islamic temple here in Franklin with a couple, with a, a female rabbi, with a female minister of a Methodist church. From left to row, uh, David Osgood of the Islamic Center of Williamson County, Franklin First Presbyterian Church Pastor Mary Sellers Shaw, Todd Callister, Cantor Josh, Cantor's in a synagogue, Franklin First United Methodist Church Pastor Brian Books, Anas Muhammad, Will Berger, 
Linda Thompson and James Wills from left to bottom. We've got uh, Reverend Mona Mayhill of the St. Paul's Episcopal Church, Rabbi Laurie Rice of the Congregation Micah, Unite Williamson co-founder and Franklin Mayor Ken Moore. Let's call this Unite. Unite Williamson co-founder and pastor at Shorter Chapel African Methodist Episcopal Church, Kenneth Hill, and Imam Amen Duhada Sharif from the Islamic Center of Williamson County. And there, it, the, the headline says, Unite Williamson host prayer event with the theme of peacemaking. There will never be any peace anywhere until the Prince of Peace is acknowledged and worshiped and bowed. That's, that's the most, that is, uh, that should be an eye opener for you. Unification of religious, political, and economic systems right here in Williamson County. Right after this election they've just had, now they, want, they say they've had all kind of turmoil and all kind of trouble. You know the Lord Jesus, I'll let you find this in the Bible. He said to his disciples, do you think that I have come to bring peace on earth? I'll tell you nay, but a sword and a man's enemies shall be they in his own household. Jesus said that. Well, what about that little theme in Matthew? On earth, peace. Well, that's a bad translation. What it literally says is there will be peace to those who receive him. It won't be any peace on earth until the prince of peace is acknowledged. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, Unto us a child is born, and a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Well, number 10, universal drug usage. You can read about that in Revelation 9.21. The old King James translated it sorcery. It's the word pharmakai. It means drugs. Man, a big part of the world be drugged up before Christ comes. That's where we are now, and it's getting worse. He uses the term magic, maguo. It's the magic here, the sorcery in Roman, Revelation 9.21, that's the word pharmakia. It is not the word maguo, which means magic, as is used of Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8. He's not talking about magic, but drugs. Number 11, there will be abnormal sexual activity. Romans chapter 1, 17 through 32, 2 Peter 2.10 2 Peter 2.14, 2 Peter 3.3, 3, Jude verse 18, abnormal sexual activity, we're there. Number 12, there'll be mass slaughter of innocents by unconcerned people like mothers. Romans 131, 2 Timothy 3.3, 3, the loss of natural affection. It says, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection. It's natural affection when people love babies. It's unnatural when they say, I love myself more. Get rid of the baby. 
Number 13, widespread violence, as in the days before the flood, Genesis 6, 11, and 13, Revelation 9, 21. Number 14, rejection of God's Word, 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4, 2 Peter 3, 3 and 4, and verse 16. The time will come, says Paul, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they will get teachers having itching ears, and they'll turn away their ears from the truth, and they'll be turned the truth into fables. 2 Timothy 4. Second Peter, knowing this first, there shall come in the last days scoffers who will be walking after their own lust, and they'll say, where is the promise of his coming? Since the fathers fell asleep, everything's continuing as it was from the beginning of the creation. He's not coming, you Christians know about Jesus is coming. He's not coming. Number 15, rejection of God himself. People will develop the attitude of the folks in Psalm 2. Number 16, blasphemy. 2 Timothy 3, 2 Peter 3, Jude 18. Know that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men will be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. Jude Verse 18, remember how I told you there would be mockers in the last day who would walk after their own ungodly lust. Number 17, there would be a self-seeking and pleasure-seeking generation. 2 Timothy 3, verses 2 and 4. Number 18, there will be a generation that won't have a conscience. I read that for you earlier, 1 Timothy 4, 2. Number 19, there will be religious hucksters, 2 Peter 2, 3. Peter says very clear there, clearly there, there will be teachers that will make merchandise of you. They will exploit you. They'll figure out ways through religion to get your money, to support their ministry, and make them rich. Number 20, there'll be outright devil worshipers. Revelation 9, 20, Revelation 9, 13, I'm sorry, Revelation 13, 11, and 14. Revelation 9, 20, Revelation 13, 11 through 14. Number 21, there'll be the rise of false prophets and antichrist. Peter warned in 2 Peter chapter 2, there were false prophets among the people and there will be false teachers among you who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction and many shall follow their pernicious ways. They'll be very successful by reason of whom the way of truth will be evil spoken of. 2 Peter 2. Number 22, there'll be false claims of peace. Leaders will be predicting peace and safety. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 through 3. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14. Jeremiah 8, 11. Jesus said that many will be like the false prophets were to Israel. Peace, peace when there is no peace. United, Unite Williamson hosts prayer event with the theme of peacemaking. Because they don't know the scripture, they quote the passage probably in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the peacemakers. But there can't be peace where the prince of peace is not glorified and honored and worshipped. Number 23, there will be rapid advances in technology. And number 24... 
There'll be great political and religious upheavals and wars in Israel. Now, Israel's always had war. And as I told you last week, when the Lord scattered Israel, Jesus said, Matthew 24, your house is going to be left unto you desolate. And I'm going to, God the Father is going to punish you for not receiving me, your Messiah. But at the same time, God has punished Israel, but he has preserved them. And he's still preserving them. And when Jesus comes again, about a third, I believe, of Israel will be believers. And two-thirds of them will probably have rejected him. Where do you stand? Where do you stand? We need to learn something about the second coming of the Lord. I am not a prophet or the son of a prophet. I'm not a big eschatological teacher, doctrine of last things and prophecy, but I do know this. I know when I see things happening like they're happening now on a worldwide scale, I know something's going on. <laughs> and I'm going to prepare myself. I'm going to tell as many people as I can that the only hiding place in a world that is under judgment is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Seek the Lord now while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him call on the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. May the Lord add his blessings to the teaching of his word. Thank you.